0: Okay, brothers and sisters, uh, praises be to our loving Abba that we are gathered once again to study his words and his commands. So in this episode of the Bible History Project, we just we continue with where we left off. And we left off last week um, after Yahuwah God has sent a plague because of the unfaithfulness of the people of God. They worship idols, they engage in sexual immorality. And there was one person, if you still remember his name, what was his name again? Zimri, right? Who blatantly disobeyed Yahuwah God, blasphemed his holiness by bringing a Midianite woman in the midst of their remorse and repentance. So Yahuwah God sent the plague. It's a good thing. Eventually Phineas came to the rescue and with his one act of righteousness, the plague was put to a halt. And so after the plague, what did Jehovah God instruct Moses to do? Let's turn to the book of Numbers 26, 1 to 2. After the plague, Jehovah said to Moses and Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, take a census of the whole Israelite community by families, all those 20 years old or more who are able to serve in the army of Israel. So, what does Jehovah God instruct Moses to do after the plague? Bible says that a census ought to be taken. This was not the first time a census was taken. The first time the census was taken was when when they were beginning their trek or journey in the wilderness. That was some time ago. 38 years ago was the first time they took the census. So 38 years later, here is Yahuwah God telling Moses, take another census. Now, what is the meaning of taking A census. They are to record the names of those who were 20 years old or more and are able to serve in the army of Israel. And so this tells us something about Yahuwah God's next move, right? He is to send the people of Israel to occupy the promised land. And so they need to be prepared for battle. Why are we sure that this census is in preparation for the battle to occupy the promised land. Numbers twenty-six three to four. So they're on the plains of Moab, beside the Jordan River, across from Jericho. Moses and Eleazar, the priests, issued these instructions to the leaders of Israel. List all the men of Israel, twenty years old and older, just as Jehovah commanded Moses. This is the record of all the descendants of Israel who came out of Egypt. Why are we sure? That the taking of the census was basically a signal for Yahuwah God preparing Israel to occupy the land. Hence, they need to be prepared for battle. Because even though Yahuwah God promised to deliver the land, they had to fight for it themselves, right? They would be instruments of God. And so they need to do their part, which is to battle for what Yahuwah God is going to give them. Now, besides an an impetus, besides a signal uh, to go into battle, what can we learn from the census? There are four things that we can learn from the taking of this census, the second census. And what is the first lesson? If you remember, in the first census... This was the data that we got from our studies concerning Numbers Chapter 3. So there's the first census and there's the second census, right? And so what do we notice between the first census and the second census? If you look at, for example, Reuben, the first census, they were 46,500. The second census, it went down, right? The population went down to 43,730. Simeon, 59,300, it went down 22,200. Gad, 45,650, it went down 40,500. In the 13 tribes listed there, there were five tribes that went down in population or decrease in population in the second census. For example, when we look at Reuben from 46,500 to 43,730, the population decreased. I wonder why there has to be a reason why it seems that the Holy Spirit is directing us something here that we can connect together so that we can have a principle to live by. What could that be? It turns out that Reuben has a special note in Numbers 26 5 to 11. It is as though Yahuwah God wants to remind us about what happened with the tribe of Reuben. So let's keep reading Numbers 26, 5 to 11. The tribe of Reuben, Reuben was the oldest son of Jacob, the clans of Hanok, Palu, Hezron, and Carmi. These clans numbered 43,730 men. The descendants of Palu were Eliab and his sons Nemuel, Dathan and Abiram. Does that ring a bell? It should. These are Dathan and Abiram who were chosen by the community. They defied Moses and Aaron and joined the followers of Korah when they rebelled against Yahuwah. The ground opened and swallowed them and they died with Korah and his followers when fire destroyed 200 And 50 men, they became a warning to the people, but the sons of Korah were not killed. And so perhaps there's a connection that the Holy Spirit wants us to see there, that there is a reason behind the decrease in the number of men who can serve in the army of Israel. It could be because of sin. And so when we look at Reuben, it went down. But look at Simeon, right? From 59,000 to 300 to how many? 22,200. That's a significant drop. 69% decrease in people qualified to serve in the military of Israel. There has to be a reason why. Do you remember the tribe of Simeon? Yeah, in Numbers 25, just last week, the Israelite man killed with the Midianite woman was named Zimri, son of Shalu, the leader of a family from the tribe of Simeon. So we're seeing a pattern here, right? Like a connection. And so maybe it's the same for Gad. Because when you look at Gad, it went from 45,650 to 40,500. However, when we search scripture, there's nothing specific about Gad. However, if you take a look at the table on the screen, what do you notice about Gad? Well, they all belong to the same camp. Because if you remember, the people of Israel were divided into how many camps? Four camps with different ensigns. The camp of Dan, the camp of Judah, the camp of Reuben, the camp of Ephraim. The camp of Reuben contains which tribes? Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. And so what we can see is that sin has consequences, right? This is why the population of these clans decrease because sin has consequences. Sin can be forgiven, yes, but those who commit the sin will have to live up to the consequences of sin. One of the consequences of sin is the influence of sin this is why if you have a father who's an alcoholic the son might also develop alcoholism it is influential sin influences in a powerful way and so perhaps gad was influenced by reuben and simeon because they camped together the proximity of each of these clans in the same camp lend itself so that they influence one another and so we can learn number one sin has consequences one of the consequences of sin is its powerful influence among people close to them what else can we learn from the taking of the census let's go back to numbers 26 63 to 65 so these are the results of the registration of the people of Israel as conducted by Moses and Eliezer the priests on the plains of Moab, besides the Jordan River, across from Jericho. Not one person on this list had been among those listed in the previous registration taken by Moses and Aaron in the wilderness of Sinai. For Yahuwah had said to them, they will all die in the wilderness. Not one of them survive, except Caleb son of Jephune, and Joshua son of Nun. So if we are to compare, The second census and the first census, the only two people who are in both of the census was who? Caleb and Joshua. The rest perished in the wilderness throughout their 38-year journey as decreed or judged by God. And so that is amazing. In verse 64, it says not one person on this list, the new list, Had been among those listed in the previous generation taken by Moses. What does this tell us? It tells us Yahuwah's judgment is real. Yahuwah's judgment will be fulfilled. Yahuwah, God said, No one of those who are 20 years and above will be able to enter the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. And that's exactly what happened. So we need to take seriously the judgment. Of God, and what does He tell all of us in advance? The Book of Hebrews 9:27, and as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this day judgment. So, what should we be aware of, knowing that whatever God decrees, it will come to pass; whatever God appoints, it will come to pass. We need to understand, brothers and sisters, that God also appointed a time when we will be judged. We are going to face judgment. And so every time we hear of people dying and during this pandemic, perhaps you know someone personally, someone you're acquainted with, perhaps a friend, a family member who has died. Every time we hear news about death, it should remind us that there is also judgment. It should wake us up and tell us we need to prepare. Not just for death. We need to prepare for judgment because after death comes judgment. So that's something we need to always keep in mind. Now, what else can we learn from the census? Well, if we compare the two census and look at the overall number of people available for the military of Israel, in the first census, the total number was 603,500 and... that's a lot of military men right 20 years old and above for sure they all each one had a wife and had several children so when we put all the numbers together the people of Israel that was quite a big nation right how big perhaps two million six million people that's a lot of people six million people that's a mighty nation And so 603,000 after the first census, and then God decrees judgment upon the people of Israel because of their unfaithfulness. And so God says all of them, all 603,448, right? All of them are not going to enter the promised land. So there goes the nation, basically. God is saying that all the nation. They're all going to disappear. But look at what happened in the second census. What was the total number in the second census? Wow, 601,730. And so it remained basically the same. The population remained the same. Despite the 38 years of wandering throughout the dangerous wilderness, Yahuwah God was able to maintain that number of 600,000 plus. But how about the Levites? Because in the census, the Levites were not counted because they had a specific function. They were not to fight in a war. They were to serve in the tabernacle. And so in the first census, 22,000 males. In the next census, 23,000. So it increased. And so we can see the people of Israel, as far as population is concerned, it remained basically the same. Why? What does this show us about Yahuwah God? Well, if you still remember, a promise that Yahuwah God made to his friend. What's his friend's name? Abraham, right? What did he say to Abraham? I will make you into a great nation I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others and so when the famine came and and, um, Joseph became the instrument to save uh, Jacob and the, the 12 sons what happened they remained in Egypt and in Egypt what happened to them but their descendants the Israelites had many children and grandchildren in fact They multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, what happened? The more the Israelites multiplied and spread and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So in Egypt, which was the place where Jehovah God was growing the population of Israel so they can come out a mighty nation Behind the scenes, Yahuwah God was at work. So even if the Egyptians oppressed them, the more they were oppressed, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread. Why? Because it was a promise Yahuwah God made. It was according to his plan and purpose. And so when they were in the wilderness and Yahuwah saw their unfaithfulness And because they wanted to go back to Egypt because of their fear in Kadesh Barnea, despite all of that, despite the wrath of God, the judgment of God, Yahuwah God still worked through the people of Israel. That's what God does. He looks at what he has, us, the people, and we have faults and weaknesses, but he does something with our faults and weaknesses and our circumstances What is that? In Romans 8, 28, 29, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And so God has a plan. He conceived of this plan even before he created the earth. And he is causing everything according to that plan. He chose to work with people, people who have faults, people who are weak, people who commit sin. Yet, because of his sovereignty and because of his omnipotence, what is God able to do? He causes everything, even the bad things that we do. He causes all of that to work together for good so that eventually his final plan will be fulfilled which is for all of us to become like who? Like his son, Yahushua HaMashiach. And so the work of God in the history of man from the time of Adam and Eve up until now is the work of redemption, restoration, and perfection. We are in the midst of the final stages of that work and we should anticipate great things from Yahuwah our God. So we can learn from the census. Number one, sin has consequences and influence. Yehudah's judgment will be fulfilled. Number three, Yehudah's faithfulness can be counted on. Even though Israel failed again and again and again, even Zimri could not counter the purpose of God right and so Yahuwah God is faithful to his promise he's faithful to what he said he will do he will bring us all into salvation by becoming one with his son Yahushua HaMashiach now what else can we learn from this census that has been taken there's one more thing that we need to look at numbers 26 52 to 56 and Yahuwah said, uh, Yahuwah said to Moses Divide the land among the tribes and distribute the grants of land in proportion to the tribes populations as indicated by the number of names on the list. Give the larger tribes more land, the smaller tribes less land, each group receiving a grant in proportion to the size of its population. But you must assign the land by lot and give land to each ancestral tribe according to the number of names on the list. Each grant of land must be assigned by lot among the larger and smaller tribal groups. And so what else can we learn about the census? What was one of the purposes of the census? So that Yahuwah God can instruct Moses to divide the land. What land? The promised land, Canaan, right? Right. To divide the land as an inheritance for the people of God, the people of Israel. How was it to be divided? It had to be divided appropriately. And so to get this done, a census was taken. And according to the number of names on the list, what are they going to decide on? The the, the amount of land that each clan is to be given. And so the larger the tribe, the more the land, the smaller the tribe, the less the land. It makes sense, right? So eventually they would distribute the land in this fashion. And so the bigger the tribe, the more the land. Can you imagine that? (laughs) I want you to go back to the first time they were about to enter the promised land, right? They were gonna face giants and all that, they were afraid. And here, Yahuwah God is telling them, you're going to get some land. Yahuwah God is preparing them to inherit their portion of the land. Perhaps they're excited. If you were the, you were the people of Israel, would you be excited about that? By that news, right? When, when you learn, you're going to inherit some land. Doesn't that get you excited? Yeah? So the people of Israel, I th- I'm thinking, they were probably excited at this point. We're going to get land. This is real now. Because Moses is giving us instructions concerning how much land we're going to get. And so they were probably ecstatic, living in faith and in great anticipation of what Jehovah God is going to lead them into doing. So what can we learn from the census? Sin has consequences. Don't forget that. Sin can be influential. Number two, Yehudah's judgment will be fulfilled. Number three, Yehudah's faithfulness can be counted on what he promises he will deliver. And number four, Yahuwah's people will be given an appropriate inheritance. Brothers and sisters, question. Do we belong to Yahuwah's people? What is your answer? Yes. Yes. Are we going to get an inheritance? (laughs) Yes. Is it going to be in Canaan? Is it going to be in Israel? The inheritance that we're going to receive what is it and where is it well let's go ahead and take a look at matthew nineteen twenty nine. and everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit what does it say eternal life and so when we ask people What will be our inheritance? The Bible says we will inherit eternal life. But is it just eternal life? That's the question I want to ask all of you. Because we all know if we belong to Yahushua, we will be saved from death. The second death, right? We will be saved from judgment, which means we're going to have eternal life. But is there more to it than simply eternal life? I think so. Because when we speak about the inheritance that is to be given to us in Yahushua the Christ, there's more to it than simply eternal life. What do you mean, brother? Take a look at the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, 3 down to 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Yahushua Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Yahushua Christ from the dead. I want you to keep that in mind. Yahusha was raised from the dead and because we are one with Yahusha we are no longer categorized as of the dead we are of life Yahusha is life those who are with him have life not death now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay so yes we have everlasting life we have eternal life right by default we have everlasting life how great is that but in addition to that we also have a priceless inheritance why is it priceless because this inheritance is kept where in heaven so when we get to heaven we are going to inherit everlasting life and then some, priceless inheritance, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Isn't that exciting? Remember the tribes of Israel? They all received inheritance, but the inheritance they received was according to the size of their population. So every one of the tribes, when they go to Canaan, everyone is going to have a piece of the land but the piece of land that they're going to inherit its size is dependent upon the size of their tribe the population the list of names in their tribe and so we can see that the size of the inheritance depended on the size of the clan well how about our inheritance what will that depend on is it possible Will our inheritance be different? Will our inheritance be the same? In other words, will your inheritance be different from mine? I mean, granted, all of us, those who are going to be saved, will receive everlasting life because by default, if you're not going to perish, you will have everlasting life. But how about the other stuff, the inheritance? What will determine the quality, the kind of of inheritance that we're gonna have. What will determine that? Could it be that we can all have different levels, different kinds of inheritance? What if I tell what if I told you that was the case? What would you be thinking? Oh, it doesn't matter to me, brother, so long as I'm saved, right? Is that what you're thinking? Me too. So long as I'm saved, so long I have everlasting life, that's good enough. It doesn't matter if there are different levels and different kinds of inheritance but what if there was anyways whether we like it or not what if there was because this is what we read in Colossians 3 23 24 whatever you do work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving. And so when we receive salvation because of our union with Yahushua the Christ and be given everlasting life by default, we can also receive an inheritance as a what? A reward. Did you get that? It's a reward. And when it comes to rewards, how does Yahusha give them? Revelation 22 verse 12, behold, I am coming soon. My, Reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. And so does Yahushua give rewards? Yes. For whom? For those who were saved. And how is this reward to be distributed during the days of Israel? It was distributed according to how many people in the clan, right? The population. When Yahushua will give his reward, how will he do it? According to what he has done. And so how will Yahushua determine what we have done? How will we know what reward we're going to get on the day of our salvation? In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him, For the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Question. We who belong to Yahushua. We we who belong to the Christ. Are we going to face judgment? Yes or no? Are we going to face judgment? You might be saying yes. No. The answer is yes. Because Apostle Paul is writing to the Christians here. Those who are in Yahushua. And what does he say? Including himself. He says, for we... Including himself, right? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And so if people ask us, are we going to face the judgment seat of Christ? Yes. But, then here's the good part. The judgment seat of Christ is different from this judgment seat. What is that? It's so Revelation 20, 11 and 15. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it the earth and sky fled from his presence but they found no place to hide I saw the dead both great and small standing before God's throne and the books were open including the book of life and the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books the sea gave up its dead and death and the grave gave up their dead And all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is a second death. Anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. And so all of us are going to face the judgment seat of Christ. But the judgment seat of Christ for those who belong to Yahusha is not the white throne. It's not the great white throne. We've read this passage before. There's more than one judgment seat. The first one for those who belong to Yahusha is different from this one. This one will take place after the millennium, millennial kingdom of Yahusha the Christ, who will be judged in this great white throne, the dead, not those who belong to Yahusha. So we're not included in this judgment. I hope you get that. Because this judgment is for those who are considered dead. And who are those considered dead in the eyes of Yahuwah gone. Those who are apart from who? Yahusha HaMashiach. And so if we are apart from Yahusha, we will be included. But if we are in Yahusha, we're not included. For those who are dead, they will be judged. And what will be the judgment? It is punishment in the lake of fire and how will they be punished the bible says all were judged according to their deeds and so the purpose of this judgment this great white throne is to determine punishment or the level of punishment that a person will be receiving and who are going to be included there those who were not included in the book of Life and so, this judgment in the great white throne, this is not for us. The book of works mentioned there, I believe, are the works of evil that they have done, and that's what is going to be used to judge the level of punishment they're going to have to go through. But for us, those who belong to Yahushua HaMashiach, those who are one with the Christ, will they also face this judgment no more? Why not? In the book of Hebrews 9, 27, 28. And as it is appointed for men to die once. But after this, the judgment. Have you read this passage before? We read it before, right? The Bible says after it is appointed for all men to die. And after this, the judgment. However, we have to keep reading the passage. We only read 27. We need to read 28 as well. And so when we read 28, this is what happens. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. The Bible says Yahushua the Christ offered himself once and for all to bear the sins of many. You know what that means? If we are redeemed by the, by the death and the shed blood of Yahushua the Christ, when he comes back, we will no longer be judged. We will be saved From judgment, that is what salvation is all about. Salvation is salvation from judgment because Jehovah God appointed death and judgment. But but for those who belong to Yahushua the Christ, they're saved from judgment. Does it mean they will not face the judgment seat of Christ? They will, but not the great white throne judgment. It will be the judgment seat of the Christ. What is that? Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And so when we face the judgment seat of Christ, it is to determine our reward. What is due to us? The things that we can receive as a reward or the reward that we could lose because certain things that we did or did not do. And so the purpose of the judgment seat of Christ, those where we are going to be facing, we who are followers of Yahusha, is not for the purpose of condemnation. Because in Romans 8, 1, those who belong to Christ have no more condemnation. Its purpose is to determine what? Our inheritance, our reward. How many here would want a great reward? I would. Now, I'm going to be honest. I want a great reward in heaven. But I would be satisfied and content just to be saved, right? But wouldn't you also want a great reward? And so how do we do that? How can we make sure that when we face the judgment seat of our king, he will give us a great reward? Let's read the book of Corinthians three, ten to 11, Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. Yahushua Christ. Don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God. And that the spirit of God lives in you. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. So Apostle Paul reminds us that there's a temple of God today, right now, in the Christian era. Right now, as we speak. What's the date today? Today is January 21, 2021. Does Yahuwah God have a temple today? Yes. What kind of temple is it? It's not a physical temple. It's a spiritual temple. Who's the spiritual temple? What is the spiritual temple? Bible says that you, all of you together, all of you who follow Yahusha, right? All of you together are the temple of God. Does Yahuwah God love this temple composed of people who follow Yahusha HaMashiach? Yes. That's why God says, the Bible says, God will destroy those who destroy this temple you are that temple and so yahoo god wants the temple the people to be built up that's why the apostle paul says now others are building on it how can we make sure that we are building on the right foundation that foundation must not be any other except for who yahushua Ha-Mashiach. did you get that we must be building on the right, the right foundation, not on any other foundation. It must not be any other name, right? It cannot be a DBA. It has to be the name of who? Yahusha. It must be built upon Yahusha the Christ. Any other foundation? It doesn't count. And so what does God expect us to do? What does he want us to do in the name of Yahusha the Christ? We have to build the temple. We have to build the people of God that is founded on Yahusha Christ, the only foundation stone. So what is that work? That is the work that we're doing now, right? Preaching and proclaiming the gospel, creating songs and music that we use to praise and worship Yahuwah God and Yahusha HaMashiach. It is the sharing of our resources It is the work that we are doing as the assembly of Yahushua. We want to build it up. And according to Apostle Paul, when we build it up, we just need to make sure it's built upon the proper foundation. And we know that we are building upon the proper foundation because we are officially called by whose name? The name of Yahushua. And so all of us, brothers and sisters, we enjoin all of you, all of us, Let's work together on building up this foundation, on building up the assembly of Yahusha. However, when we work, for example, you take some time, you do work for the sake of the people of God. When we do work, how will we know if we will be rewarded for that work? Let's keep reading. We read 10 to 11, let read 12 to 15. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive what? A reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Do you see the difference between salvation and receiving the reward? Apostle Paul says, on the day of judgment, or during the day when we will face the judgment seat of Yahushua the Christ, the work that we have done Is going to be put to a test because Apostle Paul says our work is like building with different kinds of material. What are some of the materials that we can use for our work? Gold, silver, jewels. What else? Wood, hay, or straw. Of these six items, which items are expensive? (laughs) Which items show that you value it? Which are valuable? It's gold, silver, and jewels. Wood, hay, and straw, they're not valuable. They're leftovers, right? Because what Apostle Paul is trying to teach us, yes, we're doing service, right? We're doing work, but what kind of work are you doing? Is it your leftover work? Is it your best effort? What are your intentions in your work? Is it your best? Is it gold, silver, jewels? Or is it wood, hay, or straw? And so whatever we have done in the body, in other words, while we are still alive, whatever work we are doing towards the advancement and the building up of the people of God upon Yahusha the Christ, it's going to be put to the test on the day of judgment. And how is Yahusha going to test it? Well, if there's your building, right, and it's going to be set on fire. If it's still there after the fire has been set, means it it means it's made of gold, silver, and jewels. In other words, you put in good work. You put in valuable work. You put your value, you you put value in the work that you did. But if your work was made of wood, hay, and straw, you light a fire, what's going to happen to it? It's going to be gone. There's no value in it. And so Yahusha is going to test our works. Does it have value? Or does it have no value? If it has value, then we receive a great reward according to our work. But if it has no value, because we only use wood, hay, or straw. In other words, we only did things just for the sake of doing them. Without putting our best effort in it. Bible says, well, the builder will be saved. You're going to be saved, right? You will have eternal life, but like somebody barely escaping through a wall of flames. It's like, for example, you live in a two-story house. And all of a sudden, you see smoke at the uh, first floor. And it's engulfed in flames. And so you jump out of the window, and you save yourself. You're alive, right? But you look at your house, it's burnt. It's gone. And so you kind of feel bad, don't you? But at the same time, you're still happy and glad because you are alive. The same thing. You know, this is why... For us, what we want is when we face the judgment seat of Christ and he's going to test our works while we were here on earth in the body. When he tests our works, I want Yahusha to be pleased, right? So that we can, not so much the reward, but the pleasure, the pleasure that we derive from from seeing Yahusha say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. And so when it comes to reward, what could that be? We don't really know. We have no idea, but we get a clue in this parable of Yahushua in Luke 19. After he was crowned king, he returned and called in the servants to him. He had given the money. The money represents your talent, your spiritual gift, right? He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, master, I invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of 10 cities as your reward. And so according to this parable of Yahushua, our reward will be based on the work that we have done based on what we were given or entrusted with. And what was the reward? You will be governor of 10 cities. As your reward. So when we get to heaven, apparently we will have different works. Just like today, the angels have different works and functions. We too, followers of Yahushua, we will have certain works and functions, different authorities. Perhaps it will be also manifested in the millennial kingdom. Maybe not everyone will be with him and ruling here on earth for a thousand years. We don't know. What we know is the reward will be given according to our work. And so Apostle Paul was right when he said, keep busy always doing the work of the Lord because nothing you do will be ever useless. It's always useful for something. But of course, we know that before judgment day comes, we're going to be tested And it can be very difficult sometimes. And so what does Apostle Paul remind us? So that we would not lose our zeal in working for our Lord and King Yahusha. In Hebrews 6, 11 and 12, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. We want to inherit the promises of God. But sometimes, sometimes, as we wait for salvation, as we do our work and we wait for Yahushua to come, there are people who sometimes become spiritually dull, right? They become indifferent, like they don't care anymore. Do you know people like that? Sometimes we're the same way, right? Sometimes we're distracted and then we lose interest in things spiritual. We lose interest in doing any kind of service and worship because we're so engrossed in material things and life here on earth that we forget all about the work that we need to do in the assembly of Yahushua. Apostle Paul says we need to keep ourselves from becoming spiritual dull and indifferent. Indifferent means they don't really care. Doesn't matter to them what happens. They don't care about the assembly. We should not be like that. We need to care. We need to be spiritually sharp. How can we keep ourselves spiritually sharp? Bible says keep loving others because love is a powerful thing because from love we have emotion, power to keep us passionate about doing this work. And so we need that. And so Apostle Paul says we need to inherit the promises of God, By following the example of God's promises, by following the example of people who, because of their faith and endurance, inherit the promises of God. You know where we can find people like that? People who, because of their faith and because of the endurance, two things, faith and endurance, because of those two things, they're able to inherit the kingdom of God. You know where we can find that? In the Bible, right? In the Bible. Because when we live by faith, we can do a lot. Do you know what faith can do and what endurance can do as well? In the book of Hebrews, eleven thirty-two to thirty-five, this is what it says: How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned into strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. And so what can we do because of faith? What can we do because of faith? A lot of things, right? By faith... The people of God overthrew kingdoms. By faith, they shut the mouth of lions. By faith, they quenched the flames of fire. By faith, they escaped death by the edge of the sword. By faith, their weakness was turning to strength. That's why Apostle Paul is telling us, learn from these people who by faith received the promises of God. Remember, by faith, we can do that which is impossible. We can do that which we cannot do on our own. It requires faith. However, even more noteworthy, It's not what faith can do, but what faith and endurance can do, right? We read 11.32, let's keep reading 35, and others, let's not forget about the others. We heard about Jephthah, Samson, David, Gideon, right? We heard about the works of faith that did the impossible, but Jehovah God wants us to focus also on those that are not, often talked about they're called the others who are these others those who were never known their names were never mentioned in children's bible stories they were the unsung heroes of the people of faith we've never heard of their names what who were they what did they do the others the others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yes, and chains of imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in desert and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All of these have obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. We know about the stories of faith, the, the lion's mouth being shut, right? The miracles of faith. We know about the walls of Jericho because of faith. We know what faith can do. It can move mountains. It can do the impossible. But there are also the others who by faith did not have miracles. But by faith, they did something better. You know what that was? They endured. And this is what Apostle Paul wants to teach us. He said, look at the lives of people who live by faith, especially those who by faith learn to endure. Like who? There were those who were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Because they were given the opportunity to be delivered, to be saved. But the only thing, the downside was they had to give up God. They had to give up Yahusha. But they said, no, we would rather be tortured. Many who endured so much, they're unsung heroes. Nobody knows their name. But who knows their name? (laughs) Yahuwah God knows their name. Who knows about their endurance? We don't. Yahuwah God does. And there's something Apostle Paul includes here that I want you to look at. What will they have? A better. Why? Because their reward will be great. They have not seen and received reward here on earth. Right? Nobody sang about them. Nobody thought about them. There were no miracles that they saw here on earth. But what they have going for them and what they have to look forward to is they will have a better You know, when we're reading the book of Hebrews 11 and we we, we talk about David and Samson and so on and so forth, their, their victories of faith. And then we think about those who were tortured and endured. We say we would rather be on the side of David. And I can see why. I would probably choose the same thing. Who wants to be tortured? But the Bible is telling us, oh, look at this story here. Look at those who were not named. The unsung heroes. Look at them because they'll have a better resurrection. The reward will be so great in the kingdom of heaven. So brothers and sisters, whatever we're facing now, endure it, endure, and keep doing the work that Yahuwah and Yahusha has given us because we will receive the promises of God. Do you believe that? Because the reason why these people were able to endure was because they believe so much in the promises. We have promises too. And there's a reason why we need to believe. What is that? The book of Ephesians, we're almost done. 1.13 and 14. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Why are we certain that we will receive the promises of God, including our inheritance? Because God gave us a deposit. He gave us a down payment. If you wanna look at it that way, he gave us a deposit. Proof, proof, a stamp that will prove that we will receive that. What is that stamp of ownership? What is that deposit? The Holy Spirit. And so this is what helped the early Christians who had to endure so much. The unsung heroes of the Bible, this is what they had. And because of this, they were able to endure. We have received this. And so brothers and sisters, I don't know where you are in the world right now, some of you may be in the Philippines, maybe in the Middle East, in Japan, in Europe, in the United States, wherever we are, whatever our situation may be right now, dire hardship, sickness, problems, when you have the Holy Spirit as a deposit, that is what will help us to endure by faith. And so what does Apostle Paul remind us once we get the, the inheritance fully given to us. Right now, we, have give, we are given just the, uh, a down payment. A first installment of that inheritance. And so what is about to come? Let's read one more passage before we pray together. Romans 8, to 23. For we know that all creation, Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit that is given to us, that we can feel and receive in this present time, its purpose is to give us a foretaste of that future glory. And when you receive that foretaste of future glory, you will want more. Because that foretaste of the future glory through the Holy Spirit helps us to feel the presence of Abba and Yahusha. And it inspires us. That we're able to endure by faith. Apostle Paul said, yes, even though you have received the Holy Spirit, you will still groan because all creation is going to groan. It's going to go through suffering. All of creation until the present time, we're going to groan. But because you have received the Holy Spirit, you have the foretaste of future glory. That should keep your hope eager and that's what we have. We have eager hope. We anticipate great things. And when Yahushua appears and we shall receive our inheritance, we will get our everlasting life, our reward, our full rights as his adopted children, including what? The new bodies that he has promised us. And in this new body, no pain, no death. Because this is a glorious body, different from what we have now. And it is with that body, that new body, that God has promised us. A body which is immortal. A body that does not get weak or sick or die. It is with that body, Yahuwah will give us our full rights as his adopted children. That is our inheritance, brethren. And so we have much to look forward to. And no reason for us to give up. We need to keep going, keep going. Until we finish our race. Let us stand, brethren, and we shall pray together. Everlasting Father. Yes, Father. Yahuwah God, indeed you are great. Yes, dear God. None of what you have told us yes, Father. concerning our inheritance. Yes, sir. are we worthy of. Amen. Because of who we are. Yes, Father. What we have done. The inheritance, the reward, all this is by your grace. Thank you so much, Father. Yes, Indeed, you consider us your sons and daughters. And the while in this body, in this life, we must groan from time to time because of pain, suffering, and death. Father, it is easier for us to endure them all because we know that your watchful eye is upon us. Amen. And you have given us the gift of your spirit. Yes. That by that power of your spirit, we can taste. Even if it's just a small sampling. Yes. Father. Of glory that we can have because of you. Amen. Father, thank you for your comfort. Yes. Thank you for giving us your promises. Yes. Father. We now know that sometimes you call upon us to endure. Yes. There will be times when we will feel like giving up. Yes. But we know you continue to watch over us. Yes. Help us to endure. Help us to work hard. Yes. For the sake of our faith. Amen. Amen. Yahusha, our King. Yes. We will devote ourselves in building up your body. Yes. The assembly of Yahusha. Yes. Help us to do our part. Yes. Whatever gift you have given to us. Yes. May we fulfill it with passion, motivated by love and faith in you at all times. Be with us when we grow weak, strengthen our hearts and our faith and help us to continue onwards with the blessings that you have given to us. Father, remember your people. Always heal us, oh God, so that we can have many more opportunities. To fulfill our purposes. Amen. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers, yes, Lord. for we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua HaMashiach. Amen. Amen.